Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me this week. I'm talking about a topic which is probably not very sexy. We're talking about heart disease today, and you may be wondering why I'm talking about heart disease as a midlife wellness expert. Well, I'm talking about it because one in three women die from heart disease, and the incidence of heart disease goes up with age, and something pretty dramatic happens right around the time of menopause where our blood pressure goes up, our bad cholesterol, the LDL goes up, and our risk of heart disease, diabetes, stroke, all the stuff we don't want starts to go up unless we make some pretty important changes. So I think it's pretty critical that we put heart disease at the front of what we're thinking about at least sometimes when we're talking about our health. So only 50% of women know that heart disease is the number one killer of both men and women, but actually women are more likely to die when we have a heart attack because sometimes we don't present with the same symptoms that we traditionally think of as a heart attack, like gripping chest pain or pain down the left arm. Now for women, having a heart attack can be a bit more subtle. So it's really important that we not get to that point, but we do what we can now to prevent it. You know, I, I often talk about this in my office. I, I felt like as a traditional physician earlier in my career, we'd be watching a car go towards a train and you know they're gonna crash. And in traditional medicine, we just would say, okay, well, let that happen. And we know how to fix the broken bones and pick up the pieces afterwards, rather than talking to the driver and asking them to make a turn so they don't crash into the train, preventative medicine, which, Unfortunately, traditional medicine, in my opinion, does not focus on enough. So in regards to heart disease, we'd like to prevent it rather than pick up the pieces once you've already got clogged arteries and you're, you've had a heart attack or you are about to have one. Wouldn't it be better if you made the changes now so that that didn't happen? All right, so we're gonna talk about what some of those changes are. Now, so just to back up for a minute, when I'm talking about heart disease, Many people don't know what that really means. So what I'm talking about is what we call atherosclerosis, which is where a bunch of junk builds up in the blood vessels that actually supply our heart. And our heart is a very busy organ, beating all the time, all of our lives, and it requires an enormous blood supply. And those blood vessels are called coronary arteries. Coronary means heart. So when the vessels that supply the heart get junked up with plaques, now plaques are made of a combination of cholesterol, fat and calcium. So you can actually screen for them doing a calcium scan. That's something that your cardiologist might offer you. It's a good way to tell if you're at risk for heart disease actually. But when our coronary arteries get narrowed with all of this junk in them, we can sometimes experience some chest pain or some precursors to a heart attack that's called angina. And then if a piece of that plaque falls off and actually completely occludes one of those incredibly important arteries, then that part of the heart loses blood flow entirely, and that is what we call a classic heart attack. And if, if enough of the heart muscle dies as a result, then we have sudden death. So if it's caught early and you're whisked to the hospital, that can sometimes be reversed. But you can see how incredibly important it is not to have all that junk inside our blood vessels. Now, not only the heart is affected, but our blood vessels everywhere else are affected too. So the carotid arteries in our neck can get full of the same junk. And as that gets blocked, that can cause a stroke or pieces of it even can float off and cause land in our brain and cause a stroke. It can affect the blood vessels to all of our organs. For example, our legs, we can end up losing a limb 
So not having clogged vessels is really important, but talking about heart disease, it's that type of heart disease that I'm referring to. Now, what are the risk factors for heart disease? In most of them, you already know, but it's worth talking about. Those are high blood pressure, because if you think about your blood vessels like hoses and there's really high pressure water flowing through them all the time, it's gonna damage the lining of that hose, right? So the same things happen when we have high blood pressure, it damages the lining of our blood vessels. We need our blood vessels to function so we can survive, obviously. High blood pressure is a risk factor. Diabetes is a risk factor. Obesity is a risk factor. Those are the big ones. And of course, having a lipid panel that's not going in the direction that we want with high LDL, and low HDL. So those are the major risk factors for heart disease. Also some of it's genetic. But I wanna talk about the things that we can actually change because we can change our weight, we can change how much cholesterol we have in our bloodstream, we can stop smoking. I didn't mention that one, but that's actually the number one biggest risk factor for heart disease. I'm just gonna assume that my listeners are not smoking because if you are, just stop that today. <laughs> That's the number one risk factor for so many diseases. Of course, I don't even need to mention them, but heart disease being a very big one as well as lung cancer. And we can control our weight. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about the things that we can control so that we can have a healthy heart. Now, around age 50 or right around the time of menopause, it's a fact that our LDL, our not good cholesterol, so LDL is the one that we want to be lower. HDL is the one that we want to be higher. I remember that in med school because H is for high and L is for low. So that's a little trick to remember which one's which. But LDL goes up in the year after menopause pretty dramatically. Blood pressure also goes up. And as we've talked about so many times, our weight goes up. And so all of these things put us in a higher risk group for heart disease. Not to mention many of us become for reasons that we all know we don't feel good if our hormones are out of balance we can become less active we start storing fat around the middle which is the most dangerous place to store it we often turn to comfort foods which are not healthy for us because we don't feel good so it can feel like a just a vicious cycle going in a very negative direction so i want to tell you about some things that you can do that are absolutely doable that can reduce your risk of heart disease or even if your risk is high right now to, to drop it, even, even if it's, it's never too late. That is the message. Now, it would be better to start earlier, just like everything else. So, uh, of course, we're gonna talk about hormones. So, uh, just to reiterate, it's, it's indisputable. Uh, we know now that estrogen reduces the risk of heart disease if it's started in the first 10 years after menopause. So. The big study that got everybody's panties in a knot in 2002, that was 20 years ago, the Women's Health Initiative study initially scared us all, even physicians or especially physicians, by suggesting that estrogen increased the risk of heart attack. Well, that actually turned out not to be completely accurate because they had all kinds of women in that study, including women with a prior heart attack, obese women, smokers, the average age woman in that study was 63. I know we've talked about that a lot before. But when they looked at that study again, and this is for 20 years, people have been digging into the data from that study. When estrogen was looked at for women who were started on it between age 50 to 59 or within the first 10 years of menopause, the risk of a subsequent heart attack and other vascular disease was reduced. So, so we know now that is 
the truth. So if you've been told or your doctor still tells you that hormones increase the risk of heart disease, they're referring to old information. So being on hormones from menopause on as early as possible, hopefully within the first 10 years, reduces our risk of heart disease. So that's awesome. And we've talked about that lots of times before. The other primary risk factor that you all know is being obese. So nobody likes that O word. I don't even like saying it. It's got so much social stigma applied to it, but the, uh, there's lots of different ways that it's defined, by the way, but in this country, the most common definition is having a body mass index over 30, which is a really stupid measurement, in my opinion, because body mass index is just height and weight. So it doesn't take into account how much muscle you have versus fat. So some people can have a high body mass index because they've got tons of muscle and they're not at risk. Whereas another person actually can have a low body mass index and have a ton of fat. So just keep in mind BMI or body mass index and you can look it up, calculate your BMI on any little Google calculator thingy. And just keep in mind that that's not all the information because it doesn't measure how much muscle and fat you have. And that's why I prefer doing body composition. Now, if you come into my office, you would stand on a body composition machine and it would actually measure your fat and muscle, not just your weight. So another indicator of obesity is having a body fat percentage over 30% of your total weight. Now, surprisingly, that's not very hard to get to. There was a time in my life early in menopause when my body fat percentage was 32 and I was 128 pounds. What had happened is that I'd lost a lot of muscle. So the weight on the scale hadn't changed, but my body fat was actually high enough to be putting me at risk for heart disease, which is a pretty scary and a, you know was a real come to Jesus moment for me. Like, yikes, I didn't think this was gonna happen to me, but it does and having body fat percentage over 30 is is not as much as you might think many of our patients come in with a, a body fat percentage of 40 or 50. Um, so you know clearly many of us are carrying too much fat to be healthy and this might be controversial to say but i absolutely believe that everybody's body is beautiful and this is in no way fat shaming which my teenagers accuse me of <laughs> I mean, I think we have gone a little bit too far with this idea that uh, obesity is okay. Now, it's beautiful, and I get that, and I'm not shaming anybody, but simply indicating that there is a certain amount of fat that is not healthy. So, at the same time as honoring everybody's beauty and that every body shape and size is beautiful, there are certain body shapes that are not healthy. So, I'm just all about helping women to be healthier, whatever shape and size they are. And having too much body fat, especially around the middle, is not healthy. It's gonna increase your risk of diabetes, high blood pressure, heart attack, lots of cancers. And so I hope that doesn't offend anybody. So when, when you come to see us, it's not a, in any way shameful to know that your body fat percentage is high. Like I said, mine's been high before, but starting where we are, is really important. So I always say just, hey, whatever you are now is fine. We're gonna start where we are and then we're gonna move it in a healthy direction. So losing weight is critical for many of us who have a body mass index over 30 and a body fat percentage greater than 30% to move us into that lower risk group. 
when we gain weight, all the things I talked about happen. It also increases our risk of cancer. Now we'd love to be scared of cancer. I'm, I would rather not have it too, but just to keep in mind, being obese increases the risk of breast cancer, ovarian cancer, colon cancer, several others, as well as the obvious things that we know about, like diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease. And it reduces our mobility, so we have pain and we don't feel good and we have less libido and so many things. So losing weight is critical. And I love you as you are. I just want you to be healthier if you're in that group. And like I said, I've been there myself. Uh, so, so that's really important. Here's something that happens all the time, every day, many times. A patient who's perimenopausal or close to menopause or recently menopausal will come in and she'll sit down and we do her vital signs and her blood pressure's high. And she will say, well, I don't have high blood pressure. I've never had that before. And we'll do several and they're all high. And then we'll send her home with a, a blood pressure monitor to do at home. And sure enough, her blood pressure is high. And the reason for that is that happens. So our blood pressure does go up right around the time of menopause. And losing weight, exercising, getting hormones balanced are all critical because this this can happen to you. So just like me, I thought this can never happen to me. My blood pressure went up, my body fat went up, all of those things that just kind of gave me a kick in the pants to say, look, you're not immune to this, Susan. <laughs> this could happen to you too. Um, and for all of us, these are just things that happen. Here's another thing that frequently happens. When we draw your blood for your initial consultation, it's not just a hormone panel that is part of it, but it also includes a lipid panel, diabetes screening, checking for insulin resistance, thyroid, kidney, liver function, the whole works. And we'll frequently find that somebody's lipid panel has changed. And so I'll tell a patient, you know, your LDL, remember the one we want to be low, is high and your HDL, Remember the one we want to be high is low. So their lipid panel is going in the wrong direction and they'll say, what, this must be a mistake. This has never happened before. And that's exactly right. It has never happened before because we know in the first year of menopause, LDL, remember the one we want to be low, goes up. Um, and that, that is something that happens. And so we've got to really change what we're doing in order to address these changes of aging unless we want to develop heart disease, which of course I know we don't. So here's another thing that a lot of people don't know. So how do you lower your cholesterol? Just say you come in to see me and your blood pressure is a little bit high, your body fat's you know, a little bit higher than it used to be, and your lipid panel's going in the wrong direction, your LDL's high. We want that LDL to be under 100, just as a ballpark guideline. Say your LDL is 130, it's never been that way before. Uh, what would your PCP tell you? Well, frequently they don't tell you anything. They'll just say, hey, don't eat red meat or something like that, but they don't talk to you about the details of how to change cholesterol in your diet. They're more likely just to write your prescription for Lipitor or one of the other statin drugs. And the reason for that is they don't have time. When I was practicing traditional medicine, just like your PCP, I had about 10 to 15 minutes to talk to you. So I didn't have time to get into the details of talking to you about how to create a healthy nutrition plan. Much easier just to write your prescription for Lipitor, which by the way, has a ton of side effects. Most frequently joint and muscle pain. It's an awful drug. So if we cannot take that, that would be great. Because the first step is to stop eating cholesterol when you can. And so where is cholesterol in your diet? This is very, very simple. Cholesterol is a product of animal cell walls. So anything that is a plant does not have any cholesterol in it. Anything that's 
an animal or came from an animal has cholesterol in it. So cholesterol is only in meat, fish, chicken, eggs, and dairy. That's it. Meat, fish, chicken, eggs, and dairy. Anything else has no cholesterol. I do this all the time. I'll be in my office and the patient will say, well, what about avocados? I'll say, is that an animal? No. <laughs> what about peanut butter? No. So just go down that list. If it didn't come from an animal, it does not have any cholesterol in it. So cutting those things out of your diet as much as you possibly can is a really good idea if you want to lower your cholesterol. Now, I have a plant-based diet, and so that's great for me. I enjoy it. I think it's a great idea. You could just do that. Now, if that's difficult for you, obviously cutting down on red meat, that is the highest source of cholesterol. Believe it or not, fatty fish, you know, the really good oily fish like salmon, very high in cholesterol. Uh, so, you know, just getting rid of red meat isn't enough. You want to get your milk and either change to a non-dairy milk, which is really good for so many reasons because dairy is very inflammatory, so that's a great idea. If you really don't want to do that, just go down to the skim. And also cheese, you know, I, I eat cheese, I must admit, but in small amounts. Eggs, great source of protein, but you want to reduce those. So getting rid of animal products or reducing them is going to dramatically lower your cholesterol because you're not ingesting any or very little. Now, you could be a vegan and ingest no animal products at all and still have high cholesterol because our cholesterol, that if we measure your blood, the cholesterol measurement that we get comes from two sources. One is what we eat, so you can control that. The other is that your liver makes cholesterol. So cholesterol, we need it. It does a lot of great things in our body, like helping nerves and other amazing functions but we don't want too much. So some people's liver makes more cholesterol than others. And so there is a genetic component and you can't control that. So, you know, like I said, even vegans often, some, or not often, but sometimes can have high cholesterol because of the hereditary component. So the part you can control is your diet and that's cutting down on or getting rid of animal products. The part you can't control is what you inherited, but diet and weight loss in almost every patient will significantly lower cholesterol. Now, exceptions to that would be uh, genetic high cholesterol syndromes with extraordinarily high numbers. That's different, and you're not talking about that particular pattern where patients have you know, an LDL of 400 because it's a genetic disease. That's different, we'll let the cardiologist handle those rare cases, but in just the average patient who's just getting older and we're seeing the LDL go up, good old-fashioned diet, exercise, and weight loss is going to fix that. So it, not just eating plants, which is great, uh, but lots of data that certain plants and certain uh, vegetable products are really helpful. So most of us know that eating healthy oils like olive oil, tree nuts, uh, avocados are really good for our uh, lipid panel. I've already put a plug-in for estrogen that's good for our lipid panel and also true that testosterone is good for our lipid panel. That's a talk for another day, but hormone replacement is really going to help as you're on your weight loss journey and cleaning up your diet. Uh, now, uh, plants have these wonderful components in them that look like cholesterol. So plant sterols, so plant sterols are, you can ingest, ingest them when you're eating vegetables. Uh, the American Heart Association actually recommends getting two grams a day of plant sterols, and that is quite difficult to do just with diet, although diet is the best source. If you don't eat 
buckets of vegetables like I do, I would recommend taking a plant sterile supplement. You can look it up on Amazon plant sterols. You'll see a million different choices or go to a vitamin store and you get about half in your diet, about half in the supplement. So for example, a supplement of one gram a day in addition to your diet is going to lower your cholesterol. And the reason why is that plant sterols look just like cholesterol to your body. So when you eat them, your stomach is going to absorb the plant sterol and not the cholesterol. And so the cholesterol is passed through your body and comes out in fecal waste, which is pretty cool. So this is science. Um, you know, there are some supplements that I definitely recommend taking, and that is one if you don't eat a lot of vegetables. You'll also see plant sterols are added to certain foods. Like you can look on the labels, it's added to bread and added to certain cereals and other things because the American Heart Association is so keen on people getting this in their diet. And if you're someone with really high cholesterol, even if you're on Lipitor or one of its cousins, taking plant sterols with it is helpful. It's actually been shown to be equivalent to doubling your dose of Lipitor, which is pretty amazing just by eating healthy food. So I'm all for eating healthy food and not taking drugs. So my hope is that you can get off your statin if you're on one or not even get on one in the first place just by eating healthy food, getting your BMI body mass index down under 30, getting your body fat percentage also under 30, that's a magic number. And it, it's totally doable. Okay, we all know that exercise is good for our heart, right? Yet many of us still don't do it. So I don't know why. Um, well, I think that if you're like me, there are certain things that are just hard to believe until they happen to you. Like menopause, I thought that would never happen to me. I never thought my cholesterol would go up. I never thought my blood pressure would go up. I think we all live in a little bit of denial about these things happening, but as we're getting older, if we're seeing these things changing, which they do, I think it just becomes critical if we want to live a long, healthy life, which I know you all do. I mean, we all really want that, right? We've got to add in a significant amount of exercise. So American Heart Association has certain guidelines that are similar to what I recommend, you know, around 30 minutes a day, most or all days including some weight training. So that's not too much, and many of us do way more than that. Uh, but using your heart, not only it helps you lose weight, but it helps keep your heart healthy and it will reduce your risk of having a heart attack. So if you're around my age, if you're 45 to 65 or any age really, wouldn't it be better to do the things now to reduce the chances of that happening? We don't want that car to hit the train. We want you to turn it around so that you're not going to have a big old accident and we have to pick up the pieces or even take you to the morgue, right? So again, I don't want to offend anyone by saying this, but sometimes things are true and need to be said. We do not see elderly obese people. Look, look around. The elderly people that you see who are still walking, who are 80 or older, are not obese because the obese people already died. And I know that that sounds harsh, but it's true. So, you know, I'm, I'm here to help you to be healthy. Sometimes we have to not sugarcoat things, right? We don't want to die early. I'm happy to die when my time comes, but I really, like you, want to have a long life and a great quality of life. And so it's critical that we reduce the risk of heart disease so that we can just go to sleep an hour and die in our sleep when we're 99. That would be great, wouldn't it? So we can't guarantee that would happen, of course, but you can certainly set up the circumstances to make that the most likely. And that's really what we're doing with all of this 
lifestyle modification is just creating the circumstances where this is most likely to happen. And then certainly things happen that are out of our control. But heart disease, at least most of it, is within our control. We control what we weigh, and I'm not saying that it's easy. It's incredibly hard, so it's in the simple but not easy category. But we are in control of our own weight. We control how much we exercise. Nobody else does except you. Now, I know some people might be thinking, well, I have an injury and I can't, you know, there's always something you can do. So, you know, I, if you were sitting in front of me, I would replace that negative story with an opposite story. There's always something you can do. So you can control your weight. It's not easy, but it's possible. You can control how much you exercise. You can control what you put in your mouth. And I just want to put in a plug for food. I mean, food is amazing. I'm not at all suggesting that we want you to eat terrible food or live on cardboard. I want you to eat beautiful, wonderful foods, lots and lots of plants, enjoy the texture, the taste. You know, I, I love eating. I, I am pretty careful what I eat nowadays because I told you about some of the scares that I had early in menopause where my blood pressure, lipid panel, all those things were not going in a good direction. And now I make it really important because you know what we put in our mouth is what our bodies are made out of. Our, our cells, our, every part of our body can only be made from what we eat. So let's give our bodies some really good stuff to, to make our bodies with. Uh, so let's review. Reducing the risk of heart disease because it's the number one thing that'll kill us. We may not even have symptoms that we recognize before we have a heart attack. So sudden death from a heart attack in women is much more common than we think. And it's much more common than any of the cancers that we stay up and worry about at night. I would stay up and worry about heart disease at night if I were going to stay up and worry about anything. And I actually wouldn't stay up and worry about that either because it's much better just to do what needs to be done to reduce the risk as much as possible. So let's get our weight back to where it needs to be. Let's be committed to doing exercise 30 minutes, five times a week. We need to, we're not gonna live long and prosper without it. Let's get rid of animal products or reduce them to a minimum. If you need to take a statin because you've got genetic um, issues with cholesterol being made from your liver, your cardiologist will do that for you and that's okay. And then. For all of us, thinking about adding the plant sterols to our diet, either with a supplement or lots and lots of plants so that we get those plant sterols that mimic cholesterol, lower the cholesterol. And then check your lipid panel annually. And you will see if you're on hormones and doing all of those things that it drops. And that's the most fun thing that we get to see when patients see those results. If you come and see me and all of those things are going in the wrong direction, and then three and six months later, we see them all going in the right direction, that's a very exciting thing. And it happens. So time to get real, say some things that we don't wanna hear, maybe do some things that initially we don't wanna do because we know that they're best for us. And then you know what, what happens to most of us when we change a habit is that over time, it just becomes part of our routine and you'll get to like it and you'll benefit from it so much because we feel great when our weight is optimal. We feel great when our heart is working well. We feel great when our blood pressure is low. We feel great when we get those great numbers back from our lipid panel. And then we're going to feel really great when we're 90 years old and still being able to run around with our kids and grandkids and great grandkids, right? That's gonna be the ultimate payoff. So I hope you liked this episode. I hope you learned something. If you did, please subscribe. 
share it with your friends. If you have a question for me that you'd like to ask in the Ask Dr. Susan Live format, you can submit it to drsusan.com ask, and we'll consider your question to be asked on a show in the future. I look forward to seeing you next week. Go eat healthy, exercise, and live long and prosper.